Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Good morning, Liz. <laughs> Good morning, Deb. I am laughing because you are talking to Elvis. Oh, I'm talking to this cat. The cat. And what's funny is that your voice changes. <laughs> it totally does. You know, when time. you're talking to Elvis, just like when we talk to puppies or babies, <laughs> know. you know, our voices change. I have a very weird... <laughs> You have a very weird animal weird voice. Weird animal voice. Go We're on. opening the door and letting Elvis out. Yeah, I do. And, and I call my animals the weirdest things. I don't know why. I, I mean, seriously. And my husband just laughs and laughs at me because I just go into this almost like this other personality yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. When I'm talking to them. But that, just, it's not a, I mean, I've never heard you around little kids, so maybe that's your I small kid I voice, do but... With, <laughs> I don't do it with kids. I only do it with the pets. I mean, honestly, I'll be driving down the road, and, like, there'll be a squirrel, and I'll, and I'll see him over there, and he's, like, kind of in the street, and I'll, out loud, I'll go, hey, get away, go away, go back. <laughs> don't let me hit you. Yeah. I yell at the squirrel. The oh car. my gosh, that's so funny. That's so fun. I think it's important to find reasons for levity. It's important to step out of ourselves. We have so much poop, yes, you know, in our hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And I think it's time, It's we need to have opportunities to just step outside of ourselves. Yeah, well, I think we were, we were going to, we were going to share a podcast last week that we decided that we went too off track. Yeah, so we did. We were so... We were like all over the map, and we didn't know what our point was. So, But one of the things that I had shared last week was, didn't I share last week about the... Or I, we were going to share. Yeah. We talked about the story about the, the young man with the donkeys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was watching a show. I was watching the Sunday morning show with my husband, and right. there, this story came on. And it was this man who grew up in a um, an evangelical home. He knew he was gay from a very early age. His parents didn't accept any of that. He ended up in in a you know drug uh, lifestyle and on the street and stuff. And then somehow he was able to kind of pull himself out of that, which a lot of people can't do. And he fortunately was able to do that. And he got some kind of an executive job, and um, he, you know, was very successful. And then the pandemic came, and I can't remember if he lost his job or whatever. But all that to say, in during the pandemic, he's got no job. And so a friend of his, which I think may now have been his husband, maybe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. had some kind of a farm. And he invited this young man to go and help him on the farm. So the guy goes, and he, yeah, so, and he's working with donkeys. Okay. And turns out that this man totally finds his joy in working and 
creating this donkey rescue because oftentimes donkeys, you know, they get, yeah. they're people think that they're cute. They would like but, to have them, but they're very stubborn. Donkeys and, aren't. And, we don't say stubborn as a donkey for nothing. Right. Donkeys are stubborn. Right. And and they oftentimes are are killed, abandoned, and mm-hmm. mistreated, and mm-hmm. and so. The thing that he shared, though, that was so wonderful was, um, he said, what's, he said, I know now the difference between the things that I enjoy and the things that bring me joy. Right. And I, I, I still haven't stopped thinking about that. And the reason why I even share that again, we were going to share it last week, is because thinking about this cat and Elvis and just the the animals, they bring me joy. That's awesome. It's one of the things in my life that I can truly say. Yeah. Brings me total joy just sitting with that silly cat. You know, (laughs) it's um, one of the things that I enjoy Mm -hmm. is cooking. I, I love to cook. I love it. There are lots of times cooking brings me joy, Mm -hmm. you know, but the truth of the matter is, is if I had to do it for a living, I mean, like I've got people in my life who are like, you should open a bakery. You should. And I just, I know in my spirit that I would lose the the joy. joy. I totally get that. It doesn't cooking and owning a restaurant or own doesn't the idea does not bring me joy. Yeah. It's you too know, much work. <laughs> it's too much work. Yeah. Now, I, I think about maybe a food truck might be fun because then I can do it on my own terms and yeah. my own hours and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I get the difference. Mm-hmm. I don't always practice yeah. doing things that bring me joy as compared to the things I enjoy. But I do understand the concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I think that as we've gotten older, and now we're in our 60s. <laughs> you know, I, I would want to try to find things that bring me joy and try to focus on spending time doing those things. Yeah. Yes, things I enjoy, but even music for me can become almost a chore sometimes. Right. And I, I've, there have been many periods of my life where I've sort of lost the joy right. because... It's just not fun. It's just, it's work. It's, I've got to drive three hours, or I've got to do this, or whatever it is. Well, and also, just because you're very good at something, Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the thing that brings you joy. Exactly. But people looking from the outside think, oh my gosh, she's such a good musician. That must bring her joy. When I know that you... That's something that brings you joy is not only these animals, but you find joy in things like uh, tiling. I do. You know? Well, I actually find joy in listening to other people sing. Like, I can be sitting in my chair at home, and I can turn on Michael McDonald (laughs) pretty loudly, and... And I could sit there for three hours and just listen to his music and listen to him. I know a lot of people don't 
necessarily love Michael. You either like really love him or you're like on the other side and I'm like his biggest fan. He doesn't know it. I have a friend who <laughs> is I a friend. I have a, an acquaintance from years ago who has worked with Michael McDonald uh, quite a lot I'm over jealous. the years. And um, he'll occasionally post pictures and post the things of the two of them together. And so he seems to have a really good relationship with him and a good experience with yeah. him. So that's a very positive thing. There's so. just something about his voice. That's yeah. Just, it like it. I don't know what it does to me, but it it brings me joy. It brings and you I'm joy. Not, and I'm just listening to him. I'm not doing anything but listening. Or when I'm with my animals, yeah, I'm, not, I'm just with them. I'm not doing anything. Right. You know, I can sit down with a canvas and paint, and I'm not a great painter at all. I, but I've seen that. Some well, but that can bring me joy. Yeah. You know, when I just. Just paint. Yeah. Um, sewing, you know, brings me joy. And, but if I had to sew for someone that, you know, on a daily basis, mm -hmm. that would probably stress me out. Yeah, that's, I mean, isn't that interesting? Yeah. You, you, the, the things that we're good at, I think sometimes there's this pressure to monetize right. the things that we're good at. Right. And then that can just kind of sap the joy right out right. of it. And you know, when I'm on stage, I mean, I, of course, that, I love being on stage. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it and it brings me joy. However, I have gone up on lines. I have completely blown scenes, you know, when I'm doing a live show. Mm -hmm. And that can suck the, the joy, joy. Yeah. right out of my performing. And, and then it's like, oh my gosh, then it feels hard yeah. and it feels like work, you yeah. know? And so I have to get myself back on track and say, you know, this was a learning opportunity. This right. was a learning experience. This right. is going to make you better down the road. Right. So, um, I, I think it's very important to understand the the difference between joy and too. enjoying I things. really do too. I mean, I know that's not necessarily what we were going to talk about today as we now jump around again. <laughs> no, I don't think we're going to we're going to stay we're going to stay more on topic. This is our 77th episode. 77 77th episode. Wow. And so, I think that what we wanted, I think that what our goal here is to just kind of identify some of the places where we have lost our joy. Mhm. Mm and try to get back on track and yeah. talk about some of the ways that we can get back on track. Yeah. You know, there was, go ahead. No, I was just, I was going to ask you, how, how does that work for you? Because I haven't figured it out yet, Liz. Well, well I think we're all figuring it <laughs> I out. I think we so, are too. So this was a, an interesting research data that I came across last week. And it's a Pew Research um, piece of data. In 2016, I know that these are some numbers, so kind of stick with me, but in 2016, 47% of Republicans thought that Democrats were immoral. Okay. 35% of Democrats thought Republicans were immoral. And this was in 20... 2016. Okay, so this so, were, were some years ago. Six years ago. <clears throat> so it was 47 and 35 um, in 2022, in the latest Pew Research, it's now 72% of Republicans think that Democrats are immoral. So it's gone from 47 to 72. Okay. And 63% of Democrats think Republicans are immoral. So that's gone from 35 to 63. So that's really jumped up. Yeah, so it's really jumped up. So the, the division between peoples 
people in our country, but peoples in general, is even wider. Is even wider. The, the distrust, mm -hmm. mistrust between, you know, one side. Mm -hmm. and, and in this country, we divide ourselves most often by mm -hmm. political parties yep, we do. Um, and race. I mean, let's be honest, yeah. we also divide ourselves by race as much as we don't like to admit that. But it is a divisive country and has been since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. um, we are an experiment that is working very hard, or the idea was to work very hard, <laughs> yeah. to, to work together to build a really strong, that was my phone that just fell, um, to build a strong country. Yeah. Um, but that hasn't always worked. No. And so, but in the last six years, when you think about how wide that chasm of division has grown, what has changed in the last six years that you think has added to that division? Well, I mean, there's the big obvious one, and that would be, you know, Donald Trump getting into office. Uh -huh. And um, he kind of gave us permission to not like people that, that were different from us. He did. He, like, gave us a public you know, permission. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of us might not like people, but we're trying to be private about it. Oh, I don't like those Democrats, well, or I don't like those Republicans, yeah. or I don't like this, or I don't like that. But we're trying to be respectful. But he gave us permission right. to be public about our opinions. Our opinions. I mean, that combined with just social media, social too, media. you know, um, kind of like you said, it's like, <clears throat> I know what everybody thinks. Yeah. And I don't want to know what everybody thinks about everything, you know? Yeah. And um, the, the problem that I see is that I don't, I don't know how we're going to flip it back around. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand how the world can, can change that. I mean... How America specifically. Yeah. I don't... Mm -hmm. I, I, I just... I, so for me, just you know, we've talked about this, just kind of trying to live my life and adhere to the values that I hold on how to treat people is really the only way that I know how to combat it. Because right. even if I were to post everything that I think on social media, that might be different than what, not you, but any, well, somebody, anybody different than me is, it's, it's fine. It's you know. not necessarily going to change anything because there's no, there's no place for true human dialogue. There's no place for true human interaction on those platforms. It's just right. words that's just, you know, there's right. no place where I can see your face and see your body language and hear your tone. It's just these words. And there's, the human element is out, so there's no place for us to come together and try to work it out. And I don't see that it's changing. I don't see social media going away or changing. Right. Um, and these invisible walls, you know, these are these are very these are definite walls, but they we might not see. It's not a physical wall, right. but it's a it's a barrier nonetheless. It, this this these barriers of protection called social media, and we honestly think that our words are just words and they're not going to do damage, but they do grave damage really you know can. and they they can mm -hmm. and the damage that has been done is that there has been this division that mm -hmm. has just gotten worse now worse the, and worse. the fact that that 
we see one another as immoral immoral yeah that that word that's a that's a powerful word that's a powerful word it's a subjective word yeah you know i mean some people don't think certain things are immoral while other people do yeah and there's all kinds of issues that i mean that's probably more of a continuum you know like there are people who are going to be in different levels of what that means but according to what you were reading it's like way over here and way over here and there's not a lot going on in the middle why because there's not a lot of place for any kind of dialogue because we're so here like you know on the opposite ends of the spectrum now that nobody wants to talk to anybody yeah well if i were to try to understand kind of what has happened is that um, you know, in the in the late 1970s and early 80s, the, there was a, a, a branch of the Republican Party mm-hmm. that called themselves the, major, moral the moral majority, majority, the moral majority, mm-hmm. to fight for, uh, uh, you know, and, and 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 came together to fight against immorality right. in America. Right. Now, what they, what they perceived, right. So it was very subjective, mm-hmm. you know, gay marriage was immoral, abortion was immoral, you know, and so they began to fight about these, fight for the, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 abolishing of those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what has happened, if I were to, if I were to kind of look, is that what I have seen, me, speaking as somebody who was a Republican up until up until the 2016 election, <laughs> yeah. um, I was a Republican and I could always defend being a Republican. I could defend it. And the morality of the Christian um, right or the Christian aspect mm-hmm. of the Republican Party mm-hmm. was something I could defend. I understand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And... But what has happened in just the last few years, but really slowly over the last 40 years, has been that my eyes have been open to more and more hypocrisy. So the people who are fighting against gay marriage, mm-hmm. you, you oftentimes will see that these senators or whatever are involved in gay relationships. Um, or, yeah. or people fighting against abortion you know, you'll find that they are involved in abortion somehow, or they're hiding, or they had, one, or they had or... one, or whatever. And mm-hmm. and that's we're all human. But I think that what this podcast is about is to come out and recognize our own hypocrisy and how that affects people around us. Right. And so the moral majority stood for things that over the years they have uh, you know it their their hypocrisy has come right. out well they they stood for things that by their interpretation of the bible were things that stuck out that they interpreted as you know sinful and immoral right where i think what's happening for a lot of the evangelical community now is that in, when we call this deconstruction thing that's happening, mm-hmm. um, there, there's been a deeper understanding of, no, the Bible didn't say that. That's not what those scriptures mean. If you take in context of what was happening in the culture at the time, right. if you understand 
or or believe that God isn't static, but God moves and shifts and changes with humanity, which a lot of a lot of evangelicals don't believe. Right. He's the same yesterday and today and da da da. Yeah, but people aren't. You know, progress. Human beings. The culture the, is the, changes. Yeah, and and so. It's not to say that God changes with every single little thing of the culture, but there has to be movement. Yeah. You, and and the the moral majority taking so many scriptures and making them into these black and white concepts and then building this whole platform platform around it mm-hmm. when really Jesus never said anything about Many, many of the issues. Well, he never mentioned abortion, and he never mentioned homosexuality. And, you know, if you take the story, like, of the Good Samaritan, and you take that story, which may or may not have happened. See, that's the other thing about Scripture, is that I... I personally do not believe that a man was swallowed by a whale and spit up on another land, you know, (laughs) another coast. What I do believe is that that story is a story of um, second chances Mm -hmm. and of God directing our paths through, even though we um, might completely rebel, if in fact we're open to 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 you know to to his leading or to his guidance or to mm-hmm. the universe's guidance as to where we belong at right. any particular time the universe will direct us that's right and i do believe that that is what that story is about i do too and in the case of the good samaritan you know we're talking about uh, the story is about enemies caring for one another and so in that context Let's move it now to today's world. That's exactly correct. And who can we care for? We can care for those whose lifestyles we don't agree with. Look back in the 80s and the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't, there were so many Christians who refused to care for AIDS victims. Well, there there was a very big fear that if they walked into the room you know, they're going to get it. Right. And so, so many AIDS patients passed with not having any human touch, mm-hmm. any human care, really, because mm-hmm. there's this fear that if I touch you, I'm going to get it, mm-hmm. which we know is not true. And isn't it interesting that in the last two and a half years, we have been involved in this global pandemic mm-hmm. And so many people have died alone and without human touch because we were afraid that family members would get infected and more people would die. And so many Christian families fought against that and said, this is immoral, this is wrong, these people need to have people in the room. Well, what about 40 years ago? Where were you when somebody with AIDS was dying and you were staying out of the room? You know what I mean? So these lessons, these life lessons come back around all the time because we are stubborn. We are donkeys, <laughs> Debbie. <laughs> we are. We are donkeys. Mm-hmm. And we really have a hard time learning lessons unless they are hands-on, it-happens-to-us mm-hmm. kinds of lessons. Yeah. 
I've been reading in the last week about um, empathy mm-hmm. and what that word means and what it means when people don't have it. And, and there, you know, there's a, it, it's, it actually is a mental health um, diagnosis mm-hmm. that you can not have empathy. Right. And I think, I, I didn't know that. Honestly, I didn't know that. I, I learned that through um, a therapy session, uh-huh. actually. And um, that's a scary thing, that that without empathy, there is no, there is no ability to connect on like a feeling level with other human beings. And I don't know, I don't know what where I need to do a deeper dive into that particular mental health diagnosis is is that something that's like a genetic thing is it something that like if if a trauma happens early in a child's life can like the empathy you know gene or stop Mm -hmm. growing or I mean I don't I don't know but I I've become aware that there's a lot of people walking around and and that's probably part of what's happening is that happening is that there's not an ability to like put myself in somebody else's shoes and it's it's not even necessarily a choice on another person's part right. but it's like a a thing in their personality that like they don't understand or don't have the ability to do that that to me frightens me. Well, there's people like the Charles Mansons of the world mm-hmm. who, you know, have like they're a sociopath and yeah. they have they have no conscience uh, conscience. Yeah. Which is a there's that and that's even to a worse degree. Right. But just empathy like Right. And so, uh, so <laughs> you know, somebody who's sociopathic is somebody who does not fit in with the societal norms. And so they can be everybody from somebody who is diagnosed with autism mm-hmm. to to somebody with a greater mental disorder or somebody who's a narcissist. You know, yeah. there, there can be a whole wide variety yeah, right. of people. But the empathy is a muscle. It truly is a muscle. And most of us, some people are maybe not mentally uh, capable mm-hmm. of making that choice. But for most of us, we can build our empathy well, muscle. And I know Brene Brown mm-hmm. talks talks about that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to listen to some more and read more from her about that. But I, I think that that's a piece that if somehow... Our world, I mean, Democrats, Republicans, Christians, atheists, whoever, if we can somehow tap into our empathy muscles and, and, you know, really, really try to put myself in your shoes just even for a minute, you know, and and go, huh, my grandmother, okay, yesterday my sister and I had lunch with our She's going to be 104 on October the 6th, okay? <laughs> and here's my grandma. So she's, Jenna and I, Jenna is my sister, we're talking to her and she's saying to me, to us, how she's not enjoying the food over there <laughs> right now. And 
she has lost some weight. She is the tiniest little thing. Yeah. A gust of wind would sweep her up, and yeah. <laughs> she's just, she's like 90 pounds. And, and so she's got a concern that she's, you know, underweight. And, but then she told my sister and I how she isn't really liking the food and that the meat is dry and blah, blah, blah. But then she said, she goes, but you know, think about how hard it must be for them to make a meal, three meals a day for 300 residents here. Mm. Think about how hard they work. Think about, okay, this is an exact example of what I'm talking about, of being able to look at maybe why. Yeah. Maybe why the meals right now, or maybe they got a new cook, but she's thinking about somebody else. So she didn't say, I'm 104 years old. I deserve no. to eat whatever I no. want to eat. Why aren't you feeding she's me the food I want? She's trying to understand what maybe the problem could be. Right. Okay. We all need to be like her. Exactly. Way more like that. There was another example that she gave about my sister and I were asking her, you know, well, how does everybody treat you here? Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, she said, well, you know, for the most part, it's fine. She said, but again, she said, I've heard, I, I heard one day one of the workers raising her voice at one of the residents. And she said, I never had heard that before. But then she went on to say, but I don't know. Maybe she had a bad day that morning. Aww. This is my grandma, who is 104, who is still cognizant of what somebody else might be going through. Wow. Right? Wow. Yeah, exactly. Like, she and, needs to be on this podcast. Well, and that's a muscle. <laughs> she has She has kept that muscle she, active. She totally has. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I mean, it's the smallest little thing, but that's where the change is, and that's where, that's really where, it needs to start is on everyday small little interactions with people. Right. Right. She's not, you know, upset. Like she's, I, I don't know. It's just, it's exactly what I'm talking about. And I saw my grandmother yesterday give two examples of it. Just, just in normal conversation. Of, wow. You know? Wow. I saw there was a meme that came across Facebook that I uh, shared, of course, because it's right up my wheelhouse, but it was about theater. And it said, theater helps to build your empathy muscle yes. because you are working with people from different walks of life, right. different financial stations, different um, lifestyles, different mm -hmm. sexual you know, proclivities. Different, I mean, the so all of these different, different ages. I mean, I've been in shows with little children and very old people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to, there's, they say don't do television with animals or children yeah. because they will completely steal the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, they will. Um, but it's, but gosh, how much they can teach us, mm -hmm. you know. And when I see children who are, you know, acting up backstage or whatever, my job isn't to yell at them and say, you know, knock it off. My job is to just say, you know what, we're a team and we're all here to work together. And right now you are distracting from the team's effort. So how about if we get back on the team train? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's how you kind of raise up kids in the theater to have empathy towards one another, to understand that they are not the center of the universe. What child does not understand that they are the center of the universe? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? From I mean, the minute they're born. That's. I mean, that's part of how how we're supposed to be so that we learn that we have a self. Yeah. Right? Right. But then you begin to learn, oh, wait, there's you. You're there. Right. Wait a minute. Now I got to, you know. Right. And so the ch a baby has to navigate, has to grow from being the, the, the baby who's every need and every whim is met mm -hmm. to slowly having to wait for their food to be done <laughs> or wait for a diaper or, to be changed. Or to share with their sister. Or to, <laughs> yeah, to share with siblings or go to preschool and all of a sudden and have share to share. share with some kid you don't know. With some, or some kid you don't like. Yeah. And all of a the sudden these kids are having to deal with personalities that they may have never encountered. Right. I saw my grandson on his first day of school or first uh, just before school started kind of deal with a a personality that he may have never encountered. Mm -hmm. And I watched him kind of deal with that, you know, and you can just kind of see him processing. Right. Wait, what is what is well, this child saying? I mean, you know? That's like social socialization, right? Correct. Like you get these kids together and they begin to learn how to interact right. appropriately, I'll say. Right. You know, lovingly, hopefully. Yeah. I there's a there's a teacher, I work with a teacher who um, has uh, two students in her school, one is a kindergartner, one is a second grader, but in the last two and a half years, we've been in COVID. So the second grader has not been to school since okay. uh, halfway through her kindergarten year, mm -hmm. right? So now she's going to kindergarten and is having to learn socialization all over again. Right. And the kindergartner is also kind of struggling a little bit. Yeah. And she, as a teacher, is looking and saying, oh, gosh, this has been hard on these little ones because they've been home, you know, just they've been Zooming school for maybe an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. It's It hasn't been like an all-day thing. Right. They've got parents or caregivers who, let's be honest, are probably tired, mm -hmm. you know, and they their socialization skills have definitely gone backwards. Yeah. But isn't that true about all of us? I mean, we have all been living in our little bubbles. So I think the pandemic has, you know, when I look at these stats of how our the chasm between us and the the the, the differences between us and the, the anger and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, not only has there been a social um as social reasons why we are the way we are and social media reasons why we are the way we are but there's also been um, a separation from one another and so we've just <laughs> retreated further and further yeah. into our bubbles. It's just sort of been a big cluster. It has been. <laughs> it has been right? a big, yeah. It has. And a whole lot of things have come in at one time. This very um a dramatic mm -hmm. uh, Republican candidate yeah, it, who was unlike anybody we ever saw in our lifetime. Right. You know. A pandemic. A pa and a pandemic. And, and social media. And the world is on fire. And the world is on fire. Global warming. Yes. This like, feels like it's ramped up. I mean, it's just like 
Right. Right. Oh. And, and, and so everybody's trying to protect themselves. Well, global warming isn't true. Well, this is... And all of our beliefs about just about everything have really been challenged in the last five mm -hmm. or six years for all of us. Yeah. You know, whether we're Democrats, Republicans, Christians, atheists, it doesn't matter. I think that everything that we have believed and have clung to for security mm -hmm. um, has really been upended in the last two and a half years, yeah. but in the last six years yeah. even. And um, so we've all had to, we're all shaken. You know, I'm reminded of, um, of, a, of a word picture. If you have a glass and you fill it with water, mm. when you shake it, what's gonna come out? Water. Water, because that's what's in the cup. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you have Coke in it or milk or poison, whatever is in that cup, when it's shaken, that's what's going to come out. The same thing is true for you and me. Yeah. When we are shaken, when we are shaken, what's inside of us comes out. Mm -hmm. And we have all been shaken and our insides have been revealed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. our hearts, yeah. you know, what is in our hearts, yeah. whether it's hatred or fear, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of our fights mm -hmm. have been about fear, not really about hatred. It's come out as hatred, but it's really about our fear. I think, I think you've just explained a piece of art that was hanging up. It's not there now, but you know how we're an art hot venue. Yeah. So here at Fresno Music Academy, we're an art hot venue and there was an artist, he, he took it I don't think it's hanging up there now. Maybe it's still up there. Okay. Um, and it's a, I think it is still up there. Okay. Anyway, it's a big, huge painting. And it's a guy, and he's got a big hole right here. And you can. In the middle of his body. In the middle of his body. Okay. And you can kind of see his guts over here. <laughs> and then On you the can, side. And then you out. can see, like, the mountains and, like, what's behind him. You can see through him, and it's like, it's like his, our guts have all been exposed. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's just that's makes me think of that that painting in there. And we have all uh -huh. been exposed. You know. Um, we have all been exposed. Yesterday, Queen Elizabeth passed away. That makes me sad. It was a shock. Yeah. I mean, she had been ill, but I don't think anybody. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it was a shock. But, you know, everybody talks about how she, she has been on the throne for 70 years. And I don't know what our fascination is in America about, you know, this country that we declared our independence from. But we <laughs> yeah. seem to still have a, a fascination with the yeah. royalty. And um, so she's been on the throne for 70 years. And she has had to navigate so many changes in history. Mm -hmm. She's had, she's lived through wars. Mm -hmm. She's lived through, you know, social changes that have been completely upending. Um, she's had to deal with uh, personal struggles in her own family. We've watched as royal members of the family have um, presented challenges to her and her country. Yeah. And she has done that with grace. Yeah, she has. Um, she has honored the rules you know, she, that I put in her, the rules of her country, the rules yeah, of the monarchy. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you never get the sense that she has anything but love and empathy. I would say that's true. For her family yeah. and for her country. Yeah. You know? She's, there's a lot to respect there. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And she loves her kids. She's had to make some hard choices Mm -hmm. about her kids and grandkids because of the choices that they have made. Right. In in relation to the rules of the country. Yeah. 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 And and their their place in the monarchy and their place in in royal life. Yeah. And so there's there's rules put in place. Mm-hmm. But her love seems to have, and I don't know her personally, obviously, but her love seems to have surpassed right. the rules. And how many of us can say that? Right. N- not all of us can say that. Yeah, she's, I mean, she would be a person who I would say, you know, her actions for the most part speak louder than maybe her words. Yeah. But just the way she's. I mean, I learned a lot when I watched The Crown yeah. <laughs> you know, about her yeah. and her life. Um, I also heard that there's a really good documentary about her younger life as a little girl, which I want to watch. Yeah, I do too. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that this one woman can, mm-hmm. can be so influential and can fascinate mm-hmm. us so? But I do think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned from mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. And we really, and sometimes we learn how we don't want to be. Right. Well, and I think, too, understanding how somebody grew up can can stretch and strengthen an empathy muscle. Absolutely. Because if you learn, well, boy, that person just had a, a raging alcoholic mother that, you know, was awful or whatever, it, it, it can shape and, and change the way you view somebody and maybe... Maybe a behavior that somebody has that you don't understand or whatever, but then if you understand, oh, well, boy, they were treated really horribly as a young child, it can stretch empathy muscles. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I don't know what I'll learn about the queen from watching that and learning about her young life, yeah. but... Um, I well, think it's a, it's good to understand those things. It's good to understand. And mm-hmm. I will say that this morning I came into this meeting crying. Yes, you did. You know, and I was very, um, because I feel like I am being asked to do things that are not comfort- comfortable for me. And so I am being stretched and I am being put upon. That's how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And so I came in crying and I came in upset. But I'll tell you what, this conversation is kind of illuminating for me because the truth of the matter is, is I'm surrounded by a lot of broken people who need me and need others around them to kind of lift them up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't I, I want to surround myself with people who will lift me up on occasion um, but I need to recognize that I am the one that others are looking to to lift them up sometimes. Right. And um, There needs to be a balance. Yeah, there needs to be a balance, and sometimes I feel like my particular life is kind of out of balance, but I, I need to have empathy towards, you know, these people who are a little bit on the broken side, like we all are. We all are. You know, in we- the same way I'm looking for empathy for me, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I'm really good at having empathy for strangers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am. Yeah, I'm really yeah. good. I see the homeless guy down the street and I don't pass judgment at all right. on that person. Right. Um, it's harder for me to find empathy for people that are closest to, <laughs> yeah, to me. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, that, it's a good thing to think about. You yeah. know, it really, really is. And so um, we all have a lot of work to do. We do. We really do. We really, really do. And I think that the last, the social media is 
is a medium that can be very good in, I mean, I, I have friends, uh, put in quotes, because I don't know that I would consider people that live uh, 2,000 miles away really friends, but at the same time, acquaintances. I have people who I've met throughout my life who through Facebook and Instagram, I'm still connected to. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. I very much appreciate that. They're not somebody I can call in the middle of the night when I'm having a crisis, but they're definitely somebody whose presence Mm -hmm. I respect and am appreciative of. Um, so, So social media can do that, but it's also caused so much division. Right. And has caused us to um, stand our ground. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the healthiest thing to do. Because we may be standing on quicksand. Yes. And until we kind of open our hearts to listen to somebody else's stance and why they're standing where they're standing, we might find ourselves pulled under without ever realizing what's happened. Right, right. So let's not do that, people. <laughs> well, let's let's stretch yeah. our empathy muscle, you yeah. know? And there's ways to do it. There are ways to um, do it. Um, and the first thing is to just, when you, when you catch yourself being judgmental of another person, um, stop. Mm-hmm. Just stop and think. What is one good thing about that person? Because yeah. there is something good about everybody. Yeah. What is one good thing? Even if it's just that, oh, they have beautiful blue eyes, I mean, or beautiful hazel eyes or whatever, which is not their, that's that's something that they couldn't help. But at least you can say, I'm just going to look at their eyes. (laughs) Or I'm just going to look at their hair. Or, you know, it can be as, as, as completely, um, you know, benign as that. Or you can find, look and say, oh my gosh, Michael McDonald. He has a beautiful singing hey voice. Now, baby, I love you, Michael. <laughs> and and Michael McDonald brings you joy. He does. He does. <laughs> On <Boy> that. that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to yeah. episode seventy seven. Seventy seven. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for being a we're part gonna, of our We're lives. gonna have a big old party when we get to one hundred, so Yeah, we'll invite your grandma. We should. So. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone have a... Uh, a blessed day. Yeah, a blessed, blessed week. Blessed week. All right. Yeah. Love you.